just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well for you. Got a number of things to talk about. Lots of things popping out there. But I wanted to tell you a quick story about something my wife and I experienced just tonight. Just hours before me recording this podcast. (laughs) And I don't know, maybe I'm weird, but I thought it was hilarious. My wife says to me, we're going to Michael's. Now, those of you that don't know what Michael's is, it's one of those craft places, you know. They sell all kinds of stuff, styrofoam and plants that are plastic and paper and tools that you use in crafting, that kind of place. Now, I don't have a lot of interest in those places, but my wife does. And when she says, we're going, well, God damn it, we're going. <laughs> so I go with her. Now, I'll be honest with you. There is one thing I like about Michael's, the store. If you have to go to the bathroom, Michael's is the absolute best place for a man to go to the bathroom. And here's why. Because you walk into Michael's, there's no other men there, so you got complete privacy. This is run by women, so the bathroom is perfectly clean. It's a great place if you have to go to the bathroom and you can take as long as you want because your wife is out there looking for stuff you have no interest in and nobody's going to come in and bother you. So there's a weird side of me that enjoys going going to Michael's. (laughs) Anyhow, that's not the weird part of the story. So we pull in the parking lot. We're virtually the only car in the parking lot. It's near closing time, and uh, we're just going to go in, get something quick, and get the hell out. Um, And we park the car. No big deal. We go in there for a few minutes. We come back out. Now, there's another car that's face-to-face with our car. You know, they're they're in the opposite parking space. So their headlights are facing at us. Ours are facing at them. Again, no big deal. Car is dark. I figured they're in the store, whatever. No big deal. So I get in the car. My wife gets in the car. I start the engine. <laughs> I just have to laugh about this when I think about it. I start the engine. Then I flip the lights on. Now, directly across in the car, in the windshield, I see this couple, a man and a woman, seriously making out. I mean, <laughs> they mean business on this one. And they're making out. But here are the two weird things about it. First of all, these two weren't kids. They were kind of my wife and my age. They were like 50s, 60s. But they're going at it like 14-year-olds in the park, you know? Anyway, that's weird enough as it is. But as soon as the lights go on, they look up, certainly surprised. And uh, apparently this glare from my lights... <laughs> surprise them and hurt their eyes because they're grimacing and making noises I can't hear, but I can see them trying to make them. They're covering their eyes as if I just poured acid in their face. <laughs> and now they're kind of mad at us because <laughs> we, we turn the lights on. 
Now, why wouldn't we? We walked out of a store, we get into the car, it's dark out, we got to turn the lights on to drive away, but apparently we broke up their makeout session and we're the assholes. <laughs> now, the unfortunate thing here is I was driving in this case, not my wife. So I always like to take it a step further. <laughs> As these guys are grimacing and giving us a dirty looks and all this kind of stuff, I think to myself, <laughs> I, I, I got to do something on the way out. So I just look at them. <laughs> I just look at them very seriously and I flip the brights on, <laughs> give them the thumbs up and then get the hell out of there. What are 60-year-old people sitting in a Michael's parking lot making out in a car? They park right in front of the only car in the parking lot, for Christ's sake. <laughs> and then they're mad at me because I turn my lights on in the dark. <laughs> people fucking make me crazy sometimes, you know? They get mad at anything. Even if they're at fault, they'll get mad at you because you caught them doing something <laughs> that they shouldn't be doing. Now, I don't know if these two were married or there was some kind of rendezvous or whatever. But, you know, my wife and I are affectionate, and we found out that, uh, you know, you have a home. <laughs> if you really want to do that, or maybe even go to a movie where it's dark. But in a car, in a parking lot, come on. I felt like saying, go get a room, dude. But then when I looked at how old they are, I thought, you need a room in a nursing home. <laughs> But they probably separate you anyway. I don't know. Spent too much time on that, but it was hilarious to me. My wife even found it a bit funny. She thought I took it a bit too far with the high beams. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. All right, let's get to the business at hand. So today, actually on uh, Tuesday, because who knows when you're listening to this, I'm recording it um, actually late Tuesday into Wednesday morning. Uh, the House approved the debt ceiling extension. We've been talking about this a long time. Um, we were on the edge of the debt ceiling needing to be raised, and if it didn't, by the 18th of October, the United States would default on its loans, which would screw up our credit rating, cause 6 million jobs, $15 trillion in wealth would go away, a recession, all kinds of shit. And, of course, Mitch McConnell was the one that's saying, we're not going to help with this, we're not going to do it, which was hypocritical on his part because he's done it many times. Well, I said when this was going on that Mitch McConnell would cave. He has to cave. He has no question has to cave because everybody will suffer dramatically if the debt ceiling isn't raised and we default on our loans. Not just Democrats, everybody, including and especially rich people like Mitch McConnell and all his big buddies that stuff his pockets with money. So he's not going to let that happen. He's just trying to be the bully, trying to push the issue, wait until the person who's being bullied, this time the Democrats, caves and gets his way. But see, that was the funny thing. What is Mitch McConnell's way here? 
I mean, he doesn't want the debt ceiling not to be raised and have the world economy go to shit. He doesn't want that. There is no possible gain for him in doing that. Even if he's evil, even if he's crazy, he would be absolutely ignorant to allow that to happen, and he's just not going to do it. So what's what's the end game here? And to be perfectly honest with you, the only thing I can think that he's trying to accomplish here is he's trying to establish himself as the tough guy, the guy in control. Yes, he's in charge of the minority, but only the minority. But he's a freak about control, so he wants to show how tough he is. He's just trying to build that perception amongst the Republicans to make them think that he's a tough guy. He will stand by it. But Mitch McConnell's an idiot. He won't do that but he'll play this game to the hilt because he's used to people caving in themselves. But when they don't cave in, of course, he has to cave in because he's bluffing. He's uh, overshooting what he thinks he can do. Well, he did. He caved, he blinked, but uh, he wasn't ready to give it up all the way. So this extension that was passed today in the House, had already been passed in the Senate. And now that it's passed in the House, it will go to Biden. Biden will sign it, and that will raise the debt ceiling by 480, what, is it 480 billion? Or 480 million? Well, it doesn't really matter. They raised it just enough to get us to December 3rd. So that means that when we get to December 3rd, we're back to where we were. We still have to fight over this, play this game. Mitch McConnell has to act like the tough guy, cut it to the very edge, and either extend it again or finally get this passed. People are on edge about this. They're worried about it. But I'm going to tell you what. There is no way that this debt ceiling will not be raised permanently. It never has. It never will fail to be raised. It has to be raised. But Mitch has to play this game, show he's the tough guy. It's fucking ridiculous that we're going into a holiday season and we can't even get this deal done. It has to be a temporary fix so Mitch McConnell can feel like he's uh, won. Well, he hasn't won. He won't win. The debt ceiling will be raised and we'll be okay, so... Don't worry about that. We've got more problems in this country than that debt ceiling. That debt ceiling is a problem. If by some reason somebody would be stupid or crazy enough to let that debt ceiling not be raised, this country would be in deep trouble, and it would be every one of us. But they're not going to do that. I don't care what anybody says. They are not going to do that. It will be raised one way or another. Now, one of the other things uh, that was going on uh, that I wanted to talk about is uh, this abortion thing, this anti-abortion thing in Texas. I had an idea for this. See what you think. Now, we've got all these or these laws passed in Texas, and they're kind of bullshit laws. They're not laws where you get arrested or go to court for criminal purposes. All it really says if somebody, anybody 
see somebody else helping or having an abortion, that they can now sue them for $10,000. It's a vigilante type thing. It's a bullshit law. It's not a real law, and it's contrary to what the Constitution says. But they still do it, and the reason they do it is they want to cause this chaos and this confusion and this upheaval so that they can get it into the courts and then finally get it to the Supreme Court in hopes of overturning Roe v. Wade. I mean, let's be honest with you. For many Republicans, all evangelicals, all of the religious right, they are a one-subject group. They don't give a shit whatever else happens as long as we get that abortion bill over to, or that abortion law overturned. We've got to end Roe v. Wade in their minds. That's all they care about. That's why Donald Trump can be a criminal, can be corrupt, can lie, can cheat, can steal, can undermine our democracy. But as long as he was on track to get that Roe v. Wade overturned, that's all they give a shit about. And that's troubling. Now, see, the thing about it is Roe v. Wade has been around for 50-plus years. It's what they called settled law, which means nobody should be screwing with it. But that doesn't stop the evangelicals or the religious right or the Republicans in general. Now, the general Republicans don't really care. They just want the votes from the evangelicals and the religious right and all those idiots. So they cater to them. They pander to them. And they try to get this thing done by putting conservative judges on the Supreme Court, ramming people through to get their way. That's how they do business. As I watch this situation, I think to myself, you know, look, we're going to have to fight against these people. It may go to the Supreme Court, and who knows what's going to happen there. fact of the matter is the reason we're in this situation in Texas right now is because of what the Supreme Court didn't do. They should have stopped this because it has, it's contrary to what the Constitution says, and they should have stopped it there. Now, whether it's some technicality or the fact that we've got a majority of conservative judges, a few of them fucking nuts and incompetent, if that's why they allowed this to happen, I don't know. But then they got a bunch of heat about it. People were starting to say, oh, Supreme Court's corrupt and partisan and all this stuff. And they all got butthurt about it because they're big on the integrity of the Supreme Court. But unfortunately, right now, the approval rating of the Supreme Court is only at 40%. Oh, they don't like that. They got these big jobs in this big court. But if people don't respect the court, they have a problem. And right now, the people don't respect the court because of some of the decisions they're coming up with, specifically the situation in Texas and the prospect of trying to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, we know the majority of the people on the Supreme Court, the Republicans or the conservatives, they will try to overturn Roe v. Wade if there is any way possible. And I'm not sure there is without causing some immense problems and uh, undermining their own integrity. The fact of the matter is, do they care about their own integrity? Well, they've shown us that they kind of do. They're nervous about the public thinking they're a bunch of shit partisan kangaroo court. They don't want to be the ones to destroy the image and the perception of the Supreme Court. 
So they're in kind of a tight position. As this goes up the ranks, up the courts, and gets to the Supreme Court, now what does the Supreme Court do? Now, the fact of the, fact of the matter is, is that they, uh, they're a little sensitive about how the public feels. So do they go the other way? just to appease the people and try to get some integrity back in the court, they might do that. Or do they say, forget it, all that matters is this abortion law, we've got to get rid of it and run that through. They could do that too. So the question is, what do Democrats and normal people do about this? As I've said in previous podcasts, they're in a tight situation because the vast majority of women in this country believe in Roe v. Wade. And since women make up more than half of this country, you piss off half of this country, especially since they're women, you got some big problems. And we're seeing big uh, protests and big pushback. And don't think this isn't going to get worse. It's going to get very ugly, not only for Republicans, but for the Supreme Court. So I'm thinking to myself, we got to do all these things, protest, speaking out, fighting back, pushing back. we got to do all those things. But sometimes my mind twists along the lines of the Republicans. And I'm thinking to myself, well, instead of fighting these people and trying to go head-to-head on policy and, and, uh, and opinion on this case, what if you just throw back some of what they're throwing out. See how they react to it. Play the chaos thing. Play the distraction thing. And you're probably saying, what the hell do you mean? Well, think of this. You got Roe v. Wade. People feel strongly about it one way or another. They are going to fight hard on this. And the Roe v. Wade decision is more in the line with the Democrats and the liberals, correct? Okay. Well, what do the Republicans feel just as strongly about in the Constitution? Second Amendment, gun laws. Now, we know guns are killing people. Mass shootings are happening every day. There needs to be gun laws, but because of the Republicans and the NRA, they've been blocked every step of the way. We have more killings with guns in this country than any other country near our size or 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 level. So there's something going wrong here. Nobody wants to take away all guns. We just want some responsibility. We want people to be registered, keep the guns out of the hands of nutcases and fucking criminals. That seems easy enough. So what if we did this? You get a state like Texas passing a law to try to undermine Roe v. Wade. Even though it's not legitimate, it may not even be legal, they still do it. Well, what if a liberal state did the same thing with the Second Amendment? Started making it impossible for people people to buy assault weapons or have to be registered. Now, there are some states that do that. But what if we got all liberal states to do that? You would see these Trumplicans, these Republicans, shitting themselves. And then maybe you use that as leverage. Well, you want to get rid of Roe v. Wade. We want gun restrictions. Ah, let's negotiate that out. But if you want to keep playing this game with the anti-abortion thing, we're going to do the very same thing to you with regards to the Second Amendment. Let's see how this plays out. 
You're really dead set against the abortion, but uh, are you willing to give up some of your rights for guns? Fact of the matter is we need to take away uh, or add restrictions to the Second Amendment anyway. Everybody should have a right to have guns. I'm cool with that. But you don't need a bump stock. You don't need uh, an automatic or even a semi-automatic weapon to hunt ducks. I've hunted in my life. You don't need a semi-automatic weapon. And you certainly don't need it for protection. Now, my point here is that for as mad and crazy as people are getting, um, at the people trying to overturn Roe v. Wade, you'll see these motherfuckers just as mad about trying to add gun restrictions. So why not do that? Why not them? Why not return the favor? Distract their minds onto something that's really more important to them, and that's having guns. If they can do it with abortion, we can certainly do it with guns. Let's go after it. Let's go after it hard. Pick the liberal estates, four or five of them and go after these gun laws, and then see what they do. See, that's the one thing Republicans never understood. And maybe it's because they think Democrats and liberals are better people and they'd never do it, and they're probably right about that. But all these corrupt things that they did when Donald Trump was in office, all these norms he broke, all these laws he broke, and he was never held accountable because he was president. What they don't think, they don't think ahead. They have no foresight. By doing what they did in office, they set an example, a precedent, if you will. If nothing changes in terms of laws and who's accountable and who's not accountable, then while Donald Trump can do those things in office and the Republicans can do those things in office, well, when a Democrat gets in, he can do the same shit. Now, these people will be screaming like a stuck pig, but what are you going to do? Your guy just did it, so now Joe Biden or some other Democratic president wants to play the games that Donald Trump did. You open the door for this. You set a precedent that was going to benefit you, but you don't think far enough to head to think that it might smack you in the face. And it might. Again, the fact of the matter is, is I'm not a Democrat or Republican, but at this stage of the game, Democrat, Democrats are far better humans, more decent humans than Republicans are. I can debate that all day if somebody wants to do that. But the fact of the matter is, everything we've seen, everything that's happened in this country for four years proves that point. But what if the Democrats play the same game? How are you going to handle that? What if we go after the Second Amendment, just like you're going after Roe v. Wade? Now we're talking a different story. Now we're talking a fucking mess. Now, I put this out there uh, hypothetically because I know they'll never do it. Democrats won't do it. For whatever reason, they're not tough. They're not going to try to one-up somebody. But as I've said, When you're dealing with a bully, sometimes you have to give them exactly what they're giving out for them to be able to comprehend what's happening. They smack you in the face, and then then you say, don't do that, I'm telling, I'm doing whatever. They haven't learned a fucking thing. The only thing you can do with a bully who smacks you in the face is smack them back in the face harder. Then things start to stop. 
I hope the Democrats understand this or they can find some other way in their more Gentile way or genteel, (laughs) Gentile, (laughs) didn't mean Gentile, genteel ways that uh, they normally try to do things. But usually when they do that, they get run over. At some point, these Democrats have to get tough and give back what they've gotten for decades. And I'm hoping against hope that they will, in fact, do that. But we'll see. Let's take a quick quick break, and we'll be back. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Our Congress is still working on the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the uh, Build Back Better $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. A lot of people are suggesting that it's stalled and that uh, it's going nowhere. It'll never happen. Other people are saying... Yeah, it's going to happen. It's probably going to be less than $3.5 trillion on the reconciliation side, but it's going to happen. Now, what you have to understand is a lot of people are feeling down about this, that it won't get passed because it's taking too long. Let me explain something to you. When Joe Biden came in, a lot of things happened very quickly. We passed the... Uh, the uh, COVID relief bill, $1.9 trillion, and it was fast. It was easy. It got done. So I think a lot of people were spoiled that, okay, all of this is going to be easy. Now, for as much as this one is a pain with the infrastructure and the Build Back Better bills is taking long and it's getting bad some days and getting better and more likely some other days, people are getting concerned and frustrated with that. Here's what you need to understand. What happened with the uh, relief bill is out of the ordinary. Nothing in Congress moves that fast. So we may have been under the assumption that the next things would be that fast. Well, they're never generally fast in Congress. What's going on now with the infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better bill is pretty typical. There's ups, there's downs, there's moments when it seems like it's never going to pass. But somehow, some way, it does pass. Now, because it's reconciliation, the $3.5 trillion bill is reconciliation. That means you only need a simple majority to pass it. That means 51 votes. That means all Democrats and the vice president, who is the tiebreaker in the Senate. That's all you need. So at this point, with regards to the reconciliation bill, um, Republicans aren't even in the equation. They aren't even talking to the Republicans because they don't need to. We already know that the Republicans are not going to vote for this, this bill. So what's the point of even debating with them? 
we can give them whatever they want, but no matter what we give them, they still aren't going to vote for it. So fuck them, leave them on the side, don't worry about it. But that doesn't suggest we don't still have some stumbling blocks, and unfortunately we do, and unfortunately it's within the Democratic Party. So these negotiations are now within the Democratic Party. They can't come to an agreement on what's what and what they expect to get and what they can drop the $3.5 trillion to. And the stumbling blocks are just two people. Democratic Senator Kristen Sinema and Democratic Senator Joe Manchin. Now, they are Democrats, but they're the ones standing in the way of this. And it's funny, one of the stumbling blocks for them is this climate change money. We know there's a lot going on with climate change, and we haven't done much in the last four and a half years, and we need to do something without having some even more severe effects on this country to farmers, to the, um, to the coasts, to whatever. This is affecting everything. But these two people that are stumbling blocks toward this, this uh, reconciliation bill don't really like dealing with climate change. And one of them is surprising. The other one is not. Joe Manchin is big on denying climate change. He's from West Virginia. He's an older guy. He's experienced. He's seen what's gone on in this country. He's seen what's gone on in, the, in, in this uh, Congress. Why is it he doesn't believe in climate change? And why is it he doesn't believe in putting money into it to try to fix the problems we have in this country? Now, there's two reasons. He gets more money than anybody from the oil industry, and he gets tons of money from the coal industry because that's a big business in West Virginia. You see what I mean? He's all about the oil and helping the oil industry and the coal industry and that sort of thing, and all of that is contradictory to green energy, reusable or renewable energy. He doesn't want that shit because he wants the oil companies and the coal companies to flourish. And I understand that. They give him money and they're big business and they're being part of our economy for a long time. But what they're doing is ruining the ecology in this country and ultimately the world. We need to look at that. We need to fix that. We now have the capability to have electric cars, to have... uh, have alternate energy, clean energy. Joe doesn't want any of that because it goes against his buddies, the guys that fill his pockets. That's why he's against it. Not because it would be better for the country. He doesn't care if it's worse for the country. It's all about his money and his people's money. Now, there was another thing that was put out, and this is the surprising thing. There's a rumor going out that said Christian Cinema in this reconciliation bill, wants to take out $100 billion from the money allotted for climate change in that reconciliation bill. Now, you might say, well, she's a fucking Republican. She's nuts. That's not surprising. Well, it is surprising, and here's why. Because she started her career in politics as essentially a climate change activist. She was 
she was in the Green Party, of all things. That's where she was. And as recent as a couple of months ago, she told an Arizona newspaper that uh, climate change is her top priority. Yet now somehow she wants to take $100 billion uh, out of this uh, effort that she's so much for. How does that make any sense? Now she says she didn't say it, but other people say she did. Now you're probably saying to yourself, well, who do you fucking believe? Well, we know we don't believe Republicans because all they do is lie. They'll say something to your face and then say, I didn't say that. So as much as I don't have any proof that she said it, it wouldn't surprise me. Because the shit that comes out of her mouth makes no sense ever. The other big problem with this reconciliation bill is that we've not gotten any kind of indication what Joe Manchin and Christian Cinema actually want. They want to negotiate this bill, the Democrats do, and they have to negotiate with fellow Democrats, Manchin and Cinema. But before you can actually do any kind of negotiation, you got to get some sense what they want so that you can start going back and forth, trading horses, doing whatever. But they don't even tell you that. All they seem to say is, yeah, I'm against it. Well, that's not good enough. That's just not good enough. You have to understand, if these two bills pass, these are the two biggest bills that will help this country, the infrastructure, and the people in the middle class and the lower income. This will be the biggest bills ever in history in this country. Can you imagine that? How old are we? 270 years, something like that? And this is the biggest ever where our government did something for the people in this country. Well, it's about fucking time. Things are a mess out there, and now they need to do it. I still stand by what I said before. I think they will get it done. It may end up, the reconciliation bill may end up being about $2 trillion. But even if they drop it to $2 trillion, and of course you've got the, the other bill, which is the bipartisan bill, which is $1.2 trillion. Even if they pass those two bills, the reconciliation bill at $2 trillion, this is still an historic event. This is still the biggest bill for the people. Now, in my mind, they have to get this bill passed because this is absolutely crucial for the future of this country. And here's why. Now, Joe Biden was going down in the polls. Now he's popping back up around 48%. Some people were saying he was at 38%. I don't give a shit about polls because they don't mean anything. They're like the stock market. They change on a whim. They change on speculation. They go up and down, and you don't know what is right. So I take them with a grain of salt. But nonetheless, Joe's um, popular vote has gone up by 10 points, apparently, in the last week or so. Why, I don't know. Well, I do know, because I think a lot of people, most people in this country, are doing better economically than they've done in the past. And unfortunately, in this country, everything hinges on the economy when it comes to voting for presidents. 
That's the weird thing about this. We got the evangelicals. We got the far-right Republicans. They vote on one topic, abortion. Everybody else in the world votes on one topic, the economy. Now, the economy is important. We all need money. We all need the economy running properly. But there's a whole bunch of other things in this country that need to be taken care of, not least of them climate change and some other issues in this country. We've got to take care of all those things. But for whatever reason, people in this country are fucking stupid, and they only have this one issue that's important to them, and that's how they decide who they're going to vote for. It's, it's really, truly unusual to see our current situation. Now, you have to understand, come 2022, if they don't get something done by 2022 with this infrastructure bill and the reconciliation bill, come 2022, if the Democrats lose power in the Senate or the House, that shit's done. It's gone. Nobody gets anything. So it's something they have to get done soon, and I think they are going to do it. I think they need to get it done before December 3rd when we get this debt ceiling going, uh, and when we get back into that, because um, everything's going to change after that. We're going to be in the election year, and they got to get this changed. And this infrastructure and this reconciliation bill is crucial to the Democrats doing well in 2022. When you go come to a midterm election, they're going to look at the president and say, what did you do? Yes, you got the COVID relief bill done, and that was impressive, but you didn't get these other two bills done. So you're not doing the job, you're failing here, and that may cost him votes. Now, if they do pass them, it's going to do wonders for this country, and it's going to help Joe Biden and the Democrats do well in 2022. Now, even though you may have had to agree to go down to $2 trillion as opposed to $3.5 trillion, here's the deal. You pass it. You look good. You pick up votes. You win in 2022. You get a bigger majority in the House, a bigger majority in the Senate. Then you put together another reconciliation bill next year for $1.5 or $2 trillion, and then you get all you, all you need. If you have to do this in steps, you have to do it. But you got to win first in order to get the people on your side to vote for you in 2022. Because if they turn the Senate and the House to Republican, everything's going to stop. We know they're obstructionists. Nothing's going to get done. So that is absolutely crucial. I also wanted to talk about um, the House Select Committee. I've been talking a lot about that. Of course, they put out the... Uh, the subpoenas to uh, the four gentlemen. Um, we were talking about Mark Meadows, Cash Patel, Dan Scavino, and Steve Bannon. This is another thing that they must do quickly because having control in the House is absolutely crucial to this. They put out the subpoenas, and this is the uh, select committee to investigate the insurrection on January 6th. Now, we've been hearing the Democrats talking about these subpoenas, and they say, if you don't comply with the subpoenas, we're going to send you to the DOJ and refer you to criminal contempt charges, which is serious, which is going to court and potentially going to jail. I think it's for a year. 
They sent out the subpoenas. And what you may not know is that we know that Mark Meadows and Cash Patel have done the first step. Last week, all four of these people were to provide all documentation and all communications from January 6th. Now, Cash Patel, Mark Meadows has. And Mark Meadows is the chief of staff, so that should be interesting. Now, Dan Scavino, we don't know if he's complied as yet. I think he may. But, of course, you remember Dan Scavino was traveling around, ducking, bobbing, and weaving, trying not to get served. Well, he did get served on the day this stuff was due um, in the first place. So as far as I know, he hasn't provided the documentation, but uh, he hasn't said he won't. So I'm assuming he might, given that his boss did his documentation and communications probably won't be a lot different than Mark Meadows. So I think he will. Now, Steve Bannon's a different situation. He's categorically said, I'm not doing it. I've got executive privilege, which, of course, we now know he doesn't because Donald Trump can't assert executive privilege because he's not the president. And we know that Joe Biden said, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Let's let her fly. So that's not even a good a good argument for him, not to mention the fact he hasn't been in the White House since 2017. So executive privilege really doesn't apply to him because we're talking about January 6th, 2021. He's just trying to waste time. Now, the big deal is coming this week. By the time you're hearing this, it's at the earliest Wednesday. And so This week, as part of those subpoenas to those four gentlemen, each one of those four is going to have to show up, appear in front of the House Select Committee, and testify. Now, I'm sure these guys don't want to do it. Steve Bannon's already said he's not going to do it. But the fact of the matter is, is this is when it starts to get a little worrisome for these four men. Now, as I said... Benny Thompson and some of the others on the select committee said if these people don't comply with uh, with the subpoenas, then we will refer them to the DOJ for criminal contempt. And as I said, that's a pretty serious offense. Now, if they don't show up Thursday to testify, because there's no way to delay that. I mean, they, they, they can come and they can say, I plead the fifth or I uh, have executive privilege, what they, which they don't. And they'd look stupid if they said that. So I doubt they'll go that route if they show up. But if they don't show up, then it's going to be on the House Select Committee. They made these threats and they have to do what they said they're going to do. Now, everybody's going to suggest, yeah, well, we took him to court last time, and it took two years to Don, for Don McGahn to even testify. And yes, that's true. And to be perfectly honest with you, if they go over to DOJ, they're charged with criminal contempt. That whole thing could take a long time, but here's the deal. What was going on in the impeachment were civil lawsuits. It was going to cost them money. There wasn't quite the pressure of the possibility of jail hanging over your head. It's a different time, too. Donald Trump was in power back then. He is not now. There is nobody, absolutely nobody, that can save these fucking clowns. So now they got to take a good hard look at what's going on and make a decision. 
do we still want to ride this out and stand by Donald Trump, who's nowhere near me, can't help me, and isn't even in power to try to help me? Do I stand by that and risk going to jail and being away from my family and business for a year? Or do I just do what I'm told? You know, somebody like Steve Bannon will be an idiot. He'll push it to the end. He was in jail. He got pardoned. And uh, maybe he thinks he can get away with this. I hope so. But the important issue here is that now is the time the Democrats have to get tough. On Thursday, when these people are supposed to show up, they will testify and will deal with whatever they say or however they say it. But if they do not show up, if they do not comply to the subpoenas, it is incumbent on the Democrats to move fast. They claim they're going to move fast against these people if that's what they have to do. But we've heard things from the Democrats where they talk tough and then they never follow through. This time, it's absolutely crucial that they follow through. And again, it goes back to timing. They have limited time. Now, if the House changes to majority Republican, then you know what happens to the select committee and this whole investigation? It goes to shit. Now, that is just 13 months away. They don't have two years to deal with this. So now's the time the Democrats are going to have to get tough and get things moving. We've waited long enough. They can't afford to get this deep into it and then have the Republicans say, oh, yeah, nothing here. We're done. They've got to get this done before 2022, before they get too deep into 22. Now, some people have suggested that they'll push it out to 2022 so this stuff comes out near the election so nobody forgets how bad it was, and that will affect 2022. That is a strategy they may be working with. I don't know. But they do have to get things moving pretty quickly because if what they do fizzles toward the end of uh, or just before the election in 2022, they are going to fail hugely and it's going to cost them dearly. They can't afford to do it this time. They've got to get tough. They put out the subpoenas. They said they were going to be tough. And I hope that now, if somebody doesn't show up like like uh, uh, Steve Bannon or one of these other idiots, that uh, they will take action. They have to take action. Their party and this country depends on it. So we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do. And, of course, we'll be here on the Rational Boomer podcast talking about it as we move along this process. I'll be on TikTok, too. I'll talk about that stuff in shorter segments. But if you ever want to hear what you need to hear from whatever we're talking about here, come to the Rational Boomer podcast. You're always welcome. We're always ready to listen to you. If you have questions, comments, complaints, send those to rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer podcast, leave a voicemail message. I always love hearing from your folks and I try to incorporate them in the program. So let's wrap things up. We'll see you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.